Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We begin by acknowledging the Gabi Gabi people, the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast episode is being recorded today and pay respects to their elders, past and present, and to their parents with children with disabilities. This podcast contains truth, laughter, and the occasional F-word, so it's not really suitable for children. Well, you probably won't hear quite so much swearing among the beans, you know. Well, yeah. Not suitable for children. Sometimes you just have to get your shits out. Shit, 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 shit. That's right, this is a language warning. Oh, shit. Hello, peas and beans. It's Movember. Not November, Movember. The month where we take a little bit of time to consider men's mental health and uh, to do our best to be aware of some of the issues that men face, men and boys, to open up some conversations, to allow it to become okay to talk about these kinds of things. We thought that we might dedicate just a few shorter episodes through the rest of Movember to conversations about men and men's health, men's mental health, and so on. So I asked a friend of mine who's a counsellor, his name is Ben, working particularly with men and boys and dealing also with uh, the Men's Suicide Helpline, to come in and chat to me in the studio about some of the questions I had about what it is to be a healthy man, a healthy dad, you know, a good dad. And we spoke for about an hour We're not going to listen to all of that conversation today. I thought because it's quite thoughtful and thought-provoking, it might be better to break it up into three segments, each of about 20 minutes. So today we're doing part one of three. Next Friday and the Friday after, we'll conclude the series. Keep that in mind. It might sound like we're sort of leaving the conversation in midair when we finish. That's because there is more to come. I do want to say that if any of the things Ben and I talk about today trigger feelings within you that you find difficult to cope with, be aware that these days there's no reason why you can't find someone to talk to. We've got Lifeline, we've got the Men's Helpline, we've got Beyond Blue, and I can tell you I've used them. I rang Beyond Blue a couple of times a few years back when I really did not 
know what to do next. And I've rung Lifeline a couple of times over the years. All I needed was to be able to speak to someone who who was neutral, who was objective, and who I felt safe with. And I tell you, it made a difference. So there's no reason for you to hold back if you feel you need to talk about something or if something that we talk about triggers something in you to reach out to one of those support lines or to a mate or to a, you know, a family member, somebody that you feel safe with. So here's a, a part of my conversation with my good friend, Ben. I do need to say that because this was edited out of a longer conversation, Ben does mention a couple of things here that may seem a little bit out of context and uh, that's because of the editing process. He mentions the word initiation a couple of times and the term rites of passage. That will be the subject of our next episode. I have to tell you, I've been volunteering at the Queensland Air Museum for the last few months. One day a week I go down there with the guys, I put on the high-vis and the steel cap boots, you know, and I'm working with a team that's restoring a Spitfire. Now, this is a lot of fun, and I'm just doing it because it's fun and interesting. But, you know, it's a long time since I've been in that kind of environment. They're all blokes, they're all middle-aged to older in age, and, you know, when you get into that kind of environment, it is a specific kind of place to be and there's a specific kind of cadence to the speech and the kind of subject matter that gets talked about and the things that are said there are sometimes I find quite excruciatingly difficult (laughs) to listen to Um, but what I find this is what I find interesting when I get there I speak in a certain way and I begin the longer I'm there I'm usually there for, you know, six or seven hours. By the time I get to the end of that six or seven hours, I'm speaking in a different way than I I usually do. You know, it's fucking this and I'm bloody that and yeah, mate, and there's a lot of yeah, mates going on. And there's a lot of this really specific kind of accent and cadence that comes out when men get together and they're doing a job together And it's not that I'm trying to pretend to be something that I'm not. It just comes out. You know, I kind of blend in and begin to speak with the same rhythms that they do. It's a very interesting dynamic. And it raises questions to me about how men are with each other. You know, men cop a lot of stick for not being willing to open up not being willing to share their feelings, not being willing to be honest about things that are difficult to talk about. And, you know, often that's true. And uh, it doesn't help with communication or understanding. But, but why is it? You know, what leads men to be like that? Is there something fundamentally wrong with men? No, I don't think so. I think there are things that have led men to the place where in order to get through the day, they learn about what is wise to talk about and what isn't. They learn to keep things to themselves because they find that in the company of other men and yes, even the company of some of the women who are important in their lives to talk about these things has led them to painful places in the past and they just don't want to do it again. So 
This is not an excuse for men who don't communicate or don't want to share honestly with somebody who's important to them, but it might just help to explain why it happens and it might just help to open up the possibility for all of us to get beyond the things that might hold us back. Anyway, this episode is entitled What's a Bloke to Do? And here is me talking to Ben. Mate, thank you so much for for making some time to talk with me. I I would like to just, I mean, neither of us are coming at this as experts on men, God forbid. Mm. I mean, we are both. Who would want to say that? Well, yeah, exactly. So we, we happen to be men. I don't know if that helps or hinders, but neither of us claim expertise, except that I I guess both of us have done a bit of thinking about this, and we've had some experiences that uh, we try to make the most from. So I guess coming from that perspective, I remember when you first told me that you were focusing your counselling work on men and boys, my first thought was, oh, gosh, I can't think of anything worse. You know, like as as a primary carer of a disabled child, I spent many years mostly in the company of mums, you know, and very rarely encountered a man in, in when it, you know, in terms of schooling or appointments or therapies or all those kinds of things. And I was eminently comfortable. You know, I, I always felt comfortable with the mums, often wondered what that meant about me, what's wrong with me, what's, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? But you said, you you know, you, you're comfortable with men. Um, why would you be comfortable with men and I'm not, do you think? Mm. Mm. <laughs> what's going on there? Yeah. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Yeah, well, the, the reality is that I don't, that's not always been the case for me. So I suppose I, that's, that's probably important to point out is that my sense of um, comfort around around blokes and speaking with blokes is probably being hard won in some respects. Um, maybe that's over-egging it a little bit, but I definitely, I think most of my life had a sense of uh, being fearful of, of men, particularly successful and uh, men in kind of corporate powerful positions. I would, I was sort of terrified of their, um, their success and their capacity to just seemingly um, navigate life so well, you know, and I, I carried this idea that I was this a, um, a kind of poor struggling artist that, that didn't have the, 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 the goods to kind of match it in that proper macho man world. So, um so I think I've always, I for a long time was, was curious and but more just threatened by that sort of bloke. Um, but I guess these days, um, and through through certain experiences, I I've come to realise that most blokes are themselves fearful of other blokes. You know, that that we're all scared of each other in some ways. What makes us scared of each other? That's a strange place to be, isn't it? Mm. How does that come about, if that's true? Well, well, I think we're unsafe. I think we feel unsafe amongst men. I think men typically have been the place where we've been wounded and and exposed when we were younger. I think we we often 
many men have a story of being uh, made a fool of by their mates or uh, by their fathers or uh, and even in front of others where you've been exposed and made to look a fool or, yeah, there's been some kind of experience that, uh, you know, exposes your your weakness and there's that sense of that you you're a fraud anyway right we kind of off, we all often carry that sense that we we're hiding what we really are and we really don't want people to see what we really are cuz we we're, we're just pretending we're all just pretending you know we're like oh gosh except you and me of course oh we're, yeah, well, yeah. We, we are totally open and <laughs> honest and courageous <laughs> <laughs> we found our way. Yeah. Yeah. We are enlightened a little bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, but why would being made a fool, appear, to appear a fool mm. be so devastating? Like, what would it be about being made to appear a fool that is so uh, terrifying? Mm. Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? Like what? What is so? Why is it so important for us to come across as as being something that we're not? And uh, and I guess there's a there's probably some inherent inherent cultural frameworks that we have to abide by as blokes, and and the success narrative is a pretty massive part of that, you know. I think we value heroes and and people that and blokes particularly that that overcome and keep going and you know the rags to riches story is pretty positive and then um yeah making making good out of a difficult situation so there's I think culturally what we prize and what intrigues us is is hearing about blokes that have that are successful, like that's just this sort of, um, well, it's, I'm not sure if it actually intrigues us, but it's what gets a lot of daylight. I think the the more interesting story, if, if we really think about it, is the story of, of the guy that falls apart, you know. Mm, so, yeah, I guess there's that, I guess there's that kind of, um, that kind of cultural uh, push to be to be seen as successful, and therefore that's there's value in that. You know, there's value in being um, well, because I guess in some ways what, the way I see it is that our our um, our kind of understanding of how any of us are allowed to be here is by what we do right uh we have to kind of earn our stripes we have to earn our mm. respect you know there's there's all that narrative around um you can't you, you can't you don't just get respected just for being you know you have to you have to do stuff so so the fact of the success isn't the problem though is it or is it i, I mean it's, it's not it's, i don't think no no it, so it's it's our response to that apparent success and let's mm-hmm. let's be honest it may not be as successful as it looks but yeah but even so so say it is successful there's something that that evokes within us other blokes um this is what that you're talking about isn't it this sense of 
not being um not measuring up not uh not being acceptable not being good enough mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that, and that's kind of interesting because i think i see it happening uh so like my son's 18 and he's just started this job in a fairly um it's like a big old factory and it's a lot of it's pretty hard yakka and and he's experiencing this whole game that happens of guys taking the piss out of other guys and particularly him being the new guy and having to to weather this storm of them ridiculing him and you know and so he's he's found himself on the cusp of his adult life um interacting with other blokes that in a way that he's like he has to um armor himself up in the morning he has to take a deep breath and go okay what sort of shit is going to be thrown my way today and and i've just got to i can't show any sign of weakness i can't show any signs of that impacting me at all i've just got to go and just get amongst it and maybe match it with with humor or whatever so there's i see that this that's the that's a little image of maybe a certain young men's experiences when they start in interacting in working life. And then I, I see guys that come to me now in the counselling space who, who have attained, right? They've, they've built their business, they've, they've got the house and the wife and the kids and, and the life and the boat and the car and, and they've, and they're like, but, but it just doesn't seem to mean anything. It doesn't, it's not really the point. And, and they don't know what the point is. And they, they say things like, I, I don't, I, I don't know what, who I am, or I, I don't think I want to be this person. I, I don't want to keep doing this, what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Cause I'm, I'm sick of it. And, you know, so there's sort of, a, there's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of meaning that sort of starts getting ripped away. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So then the question for me is what's the difference between the guy who, like your son you mentioned, he goes to work, he gets he gets hazed all the time and it's part of the ritual. It's not personal, but it can feel deeply traumatizing, you know, if you're not expecting it or, or if it's touching something that... that 
you're vulnerable about. What's the difference between the guy who goes through that hazing process and is transformed in a, in a good way, a positive way, and the guy who finds it just uh, destructive, you know? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I, that's a good question, uh, as in that there are some guys that manage to navigate that yeah. those early life experiences. In a positive way, yeah. In a way that it is, yeah, that could be positive for them. I guess for a young man who goes through difficult experiences as a young man and and understands and finds a way of appreciating what these hardships mean is in itself a, a an initiation around understanding how you fit in. I guess it's about going, this is, I have a place here. Mm, a place. So everything you described there sounds like connections to me. So if you have, if your connections with something that holds you and, and reassures you and is a place to go when you need to, if those things are missing, then these experiences are just going to be harmful. Aren't they, they can be very destructive. Yeah. And, yeah. and that sense of belonging, like, mm. is, yeah. I think that's probably a fundamental experience of a transformative experience is that sense of feeling like, actually, I don't, I really belong on planet Earth, even if you like. There's like this sense of, I don't have to do anything or be anything to to be allowed to in, take oxygen and inhabit space on this planet. So there's so there's a sense of belonging and connection that can be within community. But then there's even a, another level down, a sort of sense of you know, uh, it's kind of a mystical experience of going actually feeling connected with nature and you know i don't know if you've had that experience but it's a sense of and it can happen in nature a lot when there's this you can you sort of feel like you take a deep breath and go ah okay i'm just here i'm just part of this Mm -hmm. and it's this the fact that you are part of it and you're a small tiny speck but you're also precious and and you have a contribution and you, your presence is required. You're here to show up. But initiation, I think, gives us the story that you're not as important as you think you are. So um, a young man becomes a dad and has all kinds of expectations about what that means and which go back to his own experience with his dad and his grandfather and so on and so on and his desire to to be a good dad. And suddenly he faces um, experiences you mentioned earlier that he was not expecting, things that he can't fix, things that he can't um, make, that, that don't seem to be made right. Um, it doesn't mean for a second that he doesn't love his child. In fact, the love for the child is a given and that's that's perhaps where the, the the cut comes the deepest because what do you do when your love for your child is not able to overcome a, a diagnosis or to 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 give your child the opportunities you had? Um, you know, I've heard about dads talking about, and I had this. Um, I know my son will never drive a car. Mm. You know what? What a 
tiny little example of something that is huge, which is that there are abilities that I have had growing up that he simply does not have. And so, so that dad suddenly is encountering this challenge, this opportunity, I guess you use the word opportunity, is a sense of belonging then for that dad going to be the thing that would make a difference? Um, is it as simple as that, do you think? <laughs> yeah, it sounds trite, you know. It's very easy to sound trite in when you're faced with some of life's most difficult challenges. Um, but in some ways some of the messaging that we we want to give to a young man in a in a rite of passage is things like life is hard life is hard life is hard and how do you be with that how do you hold that and 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 feel truly alive and that it's okay in some part of you how do you find a way of accepting what has come to you? How, did, how are you going to be with this situation right now? What is going to make sense of it? How will you find hope and meaning in this? So how do we? How do we? How do we? <laughs> this is the journey. I guess this is what... Um, this is the rub, I suppose, of um, an initiation experience is it takes us to the place of unknowing. And unless we inhabit not knowing and not being able to know, not having an ability to fix, and if we, unless we stay in that soup, if you like, we can't know. And mm. it's paradox, if you like. In some ways, you know, I can't, I, there's no way I'm going to come here and say, oh, this is how you do it. Mm. Okay. Read my book. Here's six, <laughs> six ways to get through a crisis. It's, yeah. it's not the way it happens. I have some guys that see me and, Week after week, we we you know we we do a deep dive into their story, and at the end, he, one particular guy will say, well, "I don't know what to do though, but I don't I don't know what to do." And it's devastating for a man to admit that they don't know what to do, and that the doing that they've done all their life. For some guys, they don't even, it doesn't hold any substance anymore. So if the thing that has been their whole meaning loses all its vibrancy in life, and I say to them, you just have to not know right now, they will want to punch me in the face. But that's what I <laughs> take that risk <laughs> because I think that's what we need to be told sometimes is you can't know. You can't know, but you can be here because, you know, this other story, which is that you belong fundamentally. You know, you don't have to do anything. When you have a tiny baby, you don't demand that babies to do anything to have value. And it's that purity of acceptance of a human life 
in its in its kind of distilled, most distilled sense. That's what we bring to our biggest losses, our most difficult griefs, is a sense of, well, this is exactly where I'm meant to be right now. And yeah, what, what now? What now? Just today, just do what's in front of you today and be who you are today, and we're going to return to this. I wanted to finish by reading a poem. Now, here we go, blokes. <laughs> as soon as you hear the word poem, I know what you're thinking. All oh, right, let's stop this podcast right now, and you can stop it. That's fine. I just think somebody like Henry Lawson was able to capture in words like very few people the experience of being a bloke, being an Australian bloke. You know, poor old Henry, he was an alcoholic. He had a lot of poverty. He had a lot of hardship, a lot of grief. And he was a sensitive soul who found ways to put his feelings into words from time to time. And what I like about Lawson is that he's writing about the travails and the burdens and the, and the difficulties that he sees in other people, not in himself. He writes about the the wife of the shearer who's left alone to raise the children and kill the snakes and deal with the poverty till she gets past caring. He, he writes about the people marching up and down the street early in the morning and late at night, dragging themselves to work and back and, and in grinding poverty. He writes about the mine worker who gives his life sacrificing uh, his own safety for his mates when there's a disaster. He always seems to be able to observe the hardships he sees around him through the lens of his own hardships and bring a real touch of humanity. So this is his poem, Men We Might Have Been. When God's wrath cloud is o'er me, affrighting heart and mind, when days seem dark before me and days seem black behind, those friends who think they know me, who deem their insight keen, they ne'er forget to show me the man I might have been. He's rich and independent, or rising fast to fame. His bright star is ascendant, the country knows his name. His houses and his gardens are splendid to be seen. His faults the wise world pardons, the man I might have been. His fame and fortune haunt me, his virtues wave me back. His name and prestige daunt me when I would take the track. But you, my friend, true-hearted, God keep our friendship green. You know how I was parted from all I might have been. But what avails the ache of remorse or weak regret? We'll battle for the sake of the men we might be yet. We'll strive to keep in sight of the brave, the true and clean and triumph yet, in spite of the men we might have been. Thanks for listening, guys. Good to have you here. We'll talk again soon. Please join me next Friday for the next part of our series through Movember of the Beanosophical conversations we've had with Councillor Ben. What's a bloke to do?
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365 day returns.